welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's Jessica. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 194. This is the last interview of this year, and then we're going to take a break until January. And if you've been with me for more than just this episode, I want to thank you so much for your support, for listening, for sharing the show, for leaving reviews. It just means so much. And the emails I get saying how individual episodes have impacted you truly make my day. Thank you so very much. Today's episode 194, and I have a great season closer for you. It's Miranda Anderson of Live Free Miranda. The thing that strikes me about Miranda is not only her gorgeous smile, but her sense of adventure and appreciation for life and incorporating her kids in every aspect of that. I love how she's pursuing her dreams while also thriving and enjoying motherhood to the fullest. So today we're going to talk about what her motherhood journey has looked like, how she developed that sense of adventure, and how she incorporates her kids in that. We'll also talk about moving from a regular-sized house to 1,000 square feet with a family of five. Her positivity is contagious, and I know you're going to love getting to know Miranda better today. So let's get to it with Miranda Anderson. Okay, I want to welcome Miranda Anderson to the show. Hi, Miranda. Hi there. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I only just said your last name for the first time. I just call you Live Free Miranda. (laughs) You know what? My eight-year-old called me the same thing. So (laughs) That's the best. Where did Live Free Miranda come from? You know, when my husband and I first moved away from Utah, where we met and got married, we moved to New Hampshire. He started his uh, first year of law school there. And we both needed new email addresses. And so he went on and got us Live Free Miranda and Live Free Dave because the state motto of New Hampshire is live free or die. (laughs) And so he was just kind of playing off of the, you know, our new adventure and being in New Hampshire. And it just sort of stuck. So my blog at the time was One Little Minute. And when I was ready to rebrand a few years ago... I already felt like Live Free Miranda. I think that Live Free really, I mean, it started there, but it really encompasses sort of my my enthusiasm for life and for making choices that give us more freedom and um, kind of discarding what people tell us we should and must do and being able to forge our own path. So it, well, it was a happy accident. That is a happy accident. And now you're in Virginia is for lovers. So exactly. is there Virginia a rebrand? Yeah. <laughs> We lived all of the good state mottos. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We lived in Southern Virginia um, for two years. That was where we lived most recently. Now we're in California, but um, love Virginia. And now you're in Richmond. We are. Yes, we are enjoying it so much. Amazing. That's awesome. So for people that may not know you, we just give a little bit more background on yourself, Miranda. Sure. Yes. So um, Miranda Anderson, I am, am a mom of three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-and-a-half-year-old, um, two boys and a girl. Um, right now we live in, in Richmond, like you said, but I was born and grew up in Salt Lake City in Utah and lived there until college. Um, I met my husband, and then we started our big adventure of kind of moving around. We moved to New Hampshire, and then we moved to D.C., and then we moved to Austin, Texas, and now we've landed here. And along the way, I have picked up um, a few different projects and hobbies and businesses. So um, I started blogging in the beginning of our marriage. My husband actually started our blog. We were living in Puerto Rico um, for just a summertime. And then I came home and realized that I wanted to continue sharing that way. You know, it was back, back in the day when everyone had a blog. So I um, was sharing about what our family was doing and um, just kind of keeping updates for friends and family members. I think almost everyone, all of my Mm -hmm. friends had blogs. We all would go through and read everyone's blogs every day. And, you know, this is back before Facebook and Instagram, which makes me feel so old now. But but it was so fun, and it just became a big part of my life. I am a nurse. That's my educational background. Um, I worked as a diabetes educator for five years and was always doing my blog on the side. And what I really loved about my job in nursing was the teaching part and kind of the education. And so... Um, I also started teaching some workshops. I've always been like a maker. So I 
learned how to sew when I was eight years old. I've always had this kind of creative side that I thought was just a hobby. But then once I had all my kids and I decided I wanted to spend more time at home, uh, I stepped out of nursing, which was outside of the home, and dove into my creative um, hobbies on my blog as my business. And so that's kind of where I've landed where I am now. I um, My blog is called Live Free Creative Company. I blog as a job. It's um, for about three years. It's been my primary source of income for my for my business. My husband's job is what supports our family primarily, but this has been a great um, way to uh, supplement that. And then I also have a small handmade shop called Live Free Creative Company as well. And then I teach local craft and sewing workshops in the si- different cities that I live in. So oh, a few little things here and there. <laughs> well, what strikes me about your life and just, yeah, your lifestyle in general is just how fun it is. Like, do you feel like you're living a really fun life? So fun. And actually, it's really funny. I just barely got back from having lunch with my eight-year-old son. Uh And his friend across the table was talking about these video games that he loved. And Milo and I looked at each other and we said, you know, that sounds so fun. We don't actually have video games at home. And his friend said, you must live such a sad life without video games. (laughs) And Milo and I looked at each other and we said, you know what? we live a really happy life. And we started to tell them about some of the things that we do as a family that we love to go out on hikes and explore our neighborhood. And we go camping a lot and we like to visit local museums. And, you know, a few days ago we rented a convertible to go see the trees up in the Shenandoah (laughs) mountains. And his kid was, this little kid was like, okay, okay. I guess your your life isn't very sad. (laughs) I thought, you know, that's so funny to think of the things that you go without as making your life happier sad when I realized, I mean, I feel like we really embrace whatever it is that we have, wherever we are, that, that, that we can, we can be happy. We can be happy with, um, with as little or as much as comes our way. Right. And it's your version of happiness and it's what your kids know. They don't know they're being deprived of video games. According to this other child, they just (laughs) know they're running a convertible with mom and rocking and rolling through the mountains, taking in nature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I totally, I think that, um, it's that there just really isn't one right way to do it all. I think sometimes we get wrapped up in thinking that like, we should be doing everything, you know, living our life a certain way, but we're all just so different. So the things mm-hmm. that make me happy might not be the things that make you happy. And if you tried to do it the way I'm doing it, then you would be sad. So, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. just, um, it's really interesting to grow up in a way that I um, am more often able to step outside of um, the idea of doing everything this certain way and it's kind of it kind of strikes me sometimes and it catches me off guard the thought that I can do whatever I want Hmm. like I mean it's it's really kind of this really eye-opening wonderful thing that we often forget because we get so caught up in our own schedules or our own sort of um expectations I Hmm. guess Mm -hmm. and really just to say we can do whatever we want we can pick (laughs) up and move we could you know I mean just I just think that it's really fun it, it, life is fun because yeah. we do we do get to just do it the way that we want. Yeah, and that's what we really try to celebrate on the podcast is no two moms are doing it the same way. And yet, look at the fullness and the thriving nature of each of these different families that are doing it so differently. And yes, we can learn from one another and be like, oh, that's a great idea. I can incorporate that or I like the way she does that. But it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter to live Absolutely. a really full, amazing life and to raise our kids in really amazing, unique ways. Totally. Yeah, I I fully agree. Yeah. Has this creativity always been part of your life in this free spirit? Um, You know, I am sort of a free spirit. I'm the middle of six children. Mm. Um, I was born to an artist mother and a very, uh, a businessman father, very black and white, you know, sort of strategic father. And um, so I feel lucky that I was kind of able to grow up with both of those things. Um, but we, I think maybe because there's so many of us and maybe because my mom is sort of a free spirit, sort of creative person herself, we grew up with this idea that we really could just explore and mm. just, I remember like all these different hobbies that I had and my parents would just jump right on board and help me, you know, get the supplies that I needed or, you know, encourage me to do the things that I really was excited about at that time. And I might like forget about it the next week as I had moved on to something else, but I don't ever remember feeling discouraged, um, that 
that something I was interested in, like maybe wasn't right for me. Hmm. And so it, it led to this amazing amount of freedom to feel like I really could just choose and change and, um, and explore. And it's something that I found really interesting as a, as a mom, because that, um, mindset as a parent is not super, it doesn't come, maybe it doesn't come super naturally to me to encourage every single pursuit, you know, I mean, I, I want to, but sometimes I find myself saying no for no good reason. And I have to remind Mm -hmm. myself that it, you know, that the exploration is really fun and good. Hmm. Um, so, but I, I think I have, I was born into creative world and I have sort of maintained that as I've gotten older and I miss it when I don't, when I, when I spend time away from, from making things or from, um, trying new things, I, I feel kind of a, a lack of spark and energy. And Mm. so, um, so I try to just keep myself doing something that, um, helps me grow creatively. I love right now, that. Right now I'm taking guitar lessons, so yeah. that's, a, that's kind of a new thing yes. and has been a fun way to just step outside of the role of like always feeling like you have to know it all and be an expert and try to be a beginner every once in a while. Yeah, and, and not feeling like you are like chained to guitar for the rest of your life or not totally. feeling like you always have to be a blogger or you always have to be fill in the blank, right? But being mm-hmm. like for this season, this is what feels good to our family, this works for us, and for this season I'm going to live this out. And, exactly. and then being able to have that freedom to change and adapt as it feels right to you. I think there's a lot yeah. of power in that. And a lot of moms don't feel that permission. Like they feel like somebody else has to give them that permission in order to like have their family do something different or, or move. Or, you know, they, they worry too much about the logistics and mm-hmm. less about just the adventure of it. I think there's a lot of right. power in that. Yeah, you know, and it it can be hard. I mean, change can be really hard, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, like, that we love rhythm, we love habit, we love schedule, we love expectation, we love pattern. Um, And so choosing choosing change can be really um, emotional sometimes. And heavens, logistical, absolutely. (laughs) Big things like moves are super logistical um, and take a long time to sort of work out all the, like, I think it takes a long time to settle into the newness after a big change. Um, I do think that our perspective and like the mindset with which we approach those types of changes though, whether they're self-imposed or whether, you know, someone loses his job or her job and Mm -hmm. we have to make a change for an un- chosen reason you know it's forced upon us to have maybe a change that we wouldn't have chosen um I think having this kind of growth mindset that I think is that maybe that's kind of a buzzword that I hear a lot in the school system and stuff but as adults it's so important too to have this growth mindset that no matter what situation we're in that we that we're going to be okay and that we're going to make it work and that we can still be happy you know sure um yeah, yeah that there's possibility with all of that Yeah, I could not agree with that more. We've moved around a lot as well, and I've done moves really well, and I've done moves not so well. And the thing Mm -hmm. that really is the game changer is my perspective. And and another thing with this most late this latest move, so we've moved about six times over the course of our ten year marriage and all across Mm -hmm. the country. And the last move to Virginia, I did not do well. I was just like, I don't want to move. I don't want to give up my old life. I was just really past focused and just digging in my heels. And it was not serving me. And eventually I came around. So this move, I really tried to embrace. Maybe this move isn't even about me. Maybe this move is about mm-hmm. the people that we're meant to meet and impact. Maybe it's about the experiences we're meant to have here. Um, and it's a big, wide world. And, and this is for a season as well. And not that I want to keep moving my whole life. But there's nothing wrong with embracing this new season with a perspective of joy and hope instead of just regret that you don't want to leave behind yeah. good things. I love that. Absolutely. And God, what a what a paradigm shift to think about things as not always being about us. Yeah. So like maybe it's about someone else. Yes. You know? um, that is such a unique and refreshing perspective because – we always feel better about things when we think that there's a chance of helping someone else, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. We always feel our hearts grow and our minds expand as we're um, looking outside of ourselves. And as a natural consequence, we feel more joy and we feel more satisfaction. And that's such a cool way to think about your move, not only as, you know, like, call, are we going to like it there? Or, you know, how is it going to be for us? But 
who can we impact by making this move and who can we, whose lives can we touch in the time that we're here? Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's been a game changer for us for sure. And Mm -hmm. I mean, and in most things, whether it's a move or even a diagnosis, whether it's, you know, just a change of scenery or a new job, most of the time we never regret what we've been through. We may not like it going into it necessarily, but the lessons we learn, the opportunities we have, the memories we make. I mean, have you ever really been like, oh, I would like forego that season in a heartbeat? Probably not. No, yeah, because you learn. I think universally we know we know this and it's so hard to like feel it in the moment. Sometimes mm-hmm. the things are hard, but we know that our periods of difficulty where we're kind of pushed to our limit that that's where we learn our most important lessons that's where really we become the people that we're meant to be and I I do think that you can do hard things and still be happy and still find joy in the middle of it and that won't prevent you from learning the lessons you need to learn Um, and you can also choose to be miserable and you know have a terrible time going through your trials and you'll come out the other end feeling like you know, you learn something of it, you probably could have, it probably might have been more fun if you had, um, you know, been able to shift it a little bit. So, um, you know, I try to, I think adventure, the idea of adventure has broadened my horizons when it comes to approaching life. Because I, I mean, I think in the, in the classical sense, adventure is, you know, a big like journey that you take out on the seas or in the mountains or, (laughs) you know, whatever. But I, um, I think about small adventures in my daily life, um, or, I mean, that everything can be an adventure, and an adventure is something that you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't, mm-hmm. you can't create expectation because it's uncertain, and there is surprise and excitement in the uncertainty and in the discovery. And I think thinking of things as an adventure automatically releases you from the idea that it's going to work out one way or another way. And it just opens you up to the idea that you're going to discover or learn something that you might not have known before. And just the release of those expectations enables us to find, to be looking for the things to learn and be looking for the things that are good rather than um, defaulting to wishing things were different. Oh, Miranda, you're speaking my language. And I'm not really an adventurous person by nature, I would say. Um, I like more certainty and more routine and things. But I see the value in that. And not only that, I see the value in modeling that for my kids. When I want them to step outside their comfort zone, whether it's buying hot lunch for the first time, we just did that. And you would have thought it was like the biggest deal. But just the uncertainty of not knowing where to go, how to hold the tray, is it going to fall? You know, which, which choice do I choose? (laughs) Or or joining a new team. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, oftentimes we're like, oh, go, go, go. You're fine. It'll be great. But really, if if we're so holding back in our own life from that sense of showing our kids that uncertainty is okay and we'll still be fine, even if if it doesn't go well, we'll still Mm -hmm. live. We'll still live. So how do you kind of communicate that to your kids aside from just living it out? How do you help them to step outside their comfort zones? You know, we, we try to talk a lot about, um, I mean, we, we talk, we kind of reframe things in this idea of like, well, let's see what happens and, um, won't it be fun to, you know, discover this. Um, and I, I do a lot of, I think maybe just talking to them and I need to hear it too, of things like, it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to not know the right answer. It's okay to not be very good at this yet because you're just learning and I think just the idea of like we're still learning and I try to model that um I mean because I really am still learning for example with the guitar lessons my son is learning my both of my sons take piano lessons at home and um when they're feeling frustrated about not being able to do something well it's so much easier for me to relate to that when I'm like oh buddy I know have you heard me play guitar (laughs) it's you know it's hard to not be good at things from the beginning and it's okay to learn and it's okay to be growing and changing um and so it's funny you know I I try to take the guitar in and play um some songs before bed every once in a while and they start laughing and tell me okay that's enough now mom and I say you know I'm but I'm learning I'm getting better right and they'll you know say yeah you're getting better you're not great yet but you're getting better so just having I think I believe really strongly in having um, my kids see me and my husband 
not always just be perfect at everything and not be good at everything and not act like we know everything, mm-hmm. but that they get to see us experience the learning and the growing and the changing along our way too as adults because they're going to get there someday too. And how sad if they get there and feel like, oh, my parents knew it all and I and I don't, so I must have done something. You know, I must not have like figured it out right. Yeah. Um, that they're like, no, I, you know, my parents were figuring it out all along the way and, and I'm still doing that too. Yeah, when we're not letting them in on that journey for ourselves, we're really doing them a disservice that they're just seeing our finish line and like, oh, it was mm-hmm. so easy for them. I was talking to another um, mom about body image the other day and how not only is it important to promote healthy self body image, self-image, things like that for our kids, but to also let them know that it, it can also be a struggle. You know, mm-hmm. it can also be a struggle to decide to be okay with our body. It's okay to feel insecure sometimes um, because when we just – push that idea of just self-love, self-acceptance all the time, regardless, it will inevitably come that whether it's your daughters or your sons, that that, that thought creeps into their mind that they're insecure and they're not feeling good. What's wrong with me for, for thinking mm-hmm. that? Because mom just always says like, love yourself, love your body, da, 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 you know? Right. Let right. them in totally. on that journey to get to that place of self-love and self-acceptance and being okay with who you are regardless of what that is or what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a continual process. And I feel the same way about um, making mistakes. Yeah, um, yeah. That, you know, when we make mistakes as adults, oftentimes it's easy to not have our children know about them. Or if we make a mistake in parenting, you know, we, we get mad unnecessarily or we, we yell too much one night or something. Um, it's really easy to just, like, well, tomorrow will be another day and I'll, and I'll wake up and that will have all disappeared. (laughs) Um, And I try to make a point at, you know, apologizing and, um, and working through it with them, you know, not in a woo woo way, but just like, man, I'm so sorry that I got mad at you. And I, I shouldn't, you know, I didn't say that as nicely as I should have. I'm totally still working on this too. And I want to be a better mom and I want to, um, to speak to you in a kind way and just the way that I tell you to speak kindly to your, to your siblings is the way that I want to always speak to you. And so can we work on this together, Mm. you know, and, um, and just showing them what, um, what it looks like to, to apologize and to try harder the next time. And, um, you know, that, that how to resolve a mistake, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that that's something that kids, Unless we show them, they don't learn. They don't automatically no. know how to do that, you know, and how to do it with grace and with um, with gratitude and, and with confidence. Um, yeah. So. And I think sometimes yeah. we assume they know how to work through that when they don't. You know, Absolutely. they have to be. They have to be instructed on that perspective and on that process. Um, it does yeah. not necessarily come naturally. Sometimes we are surprised what comes naturally to our kids, and we're pleasantly surprised. But it's not anything against us or against them that sometimes we need to t- teach them something 1,700 times for it to really right? to really stick. And like you said, like there's still things that we're working on as adults that it's like, gosh, shouldn't we get this by now? Shouldn't we talk nicer to ourselves, you know, by now? Right. Yeah. But it's just a continual process, and that's okay. The important thing is to be aware of your ability to grow and change, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that so, so fully. Going back to that idea of expectations, saying that, you know, you've always, you know, been more of a free spirit and everything like that. How has that played into your motherhood in terms of what has been challenging for you in motherhood? What what have been your major things where it just did not come naturally? Because I think setting reasonable expectations, which it sounds like you are better at, that's a really great thing um, and can really help you to not beat yourself up too much when the baby's still crying and you thought you were going to be able to get him to sleep right away yeah. or, you know, those things. What, what, what's been a struggle for you? Um, I think partly because of this sort of free range childhood that I have, um, I've had a hard time figuring out what are the right guidelines for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember any specific rules that I had in my household growing up. There may have been some, but I don't remember them. <laughs> and then I found myself as a mom feeling like we probably need to have a couple rules, you know, like <laughs> I think that that would help things go a little more smoothly from time to time. And, um, being able to figure out what that looks like for our family, where I do really want them to be able to explore and grow and make good choices. Um, but I also, you know, and I also want them to learn about structure and learn about obedience and learn about discipline because those things are important too. I think you can't teach, 
you know, grit and hard work without them being, you know, sort of feeling that like they need to do some things sometimes. Um, so that has been a struggle that we're still working through. We actually just implemented a brand new, um, system at home. Like a, it's like a chore chart kind of motivational thing. And I just did it on an Excel spreadsheet on the computer where we have really basic things, you know, put on your clothes, pack your backpack, eat your breakfast, practice the piano, um, make your bed, pick up your room, brush your teeth, all of kind of the basic things that are there, the, you know, the things they need to do to smoothly go through the morning to get to school. And then when they come home from school, the things they need to do to get prepared for dinner. And, and then after dinner, the things they need to do to prepare for bed. So some of them are small chores and some of them are more like self-care activities. Um, but that's never been super structured. I mean, we sort of had a system, but you know, sometimes they totally didn't do any of it. And <laughs> I was, just, I just have to nag them. And then sometimes they would do it all, you know, it was just sort of convoluted. And so finally I'm like, I'm going to write this all down in a place that I don't have to reprint it every day. I don't have to buy any stickers. I don't have to do any of the things that like, I will probably not follow through with all the right, time right. and just set it up on a Google doc or a Google sheet, I guess, cause it's a spreadsheet and taught them how to do it. And it's like, honestly, it's been five days. It's been this one week and I already feel like, oh my gosh, just giving them a little bit of structure has encouraged them so much. And the fact that they can do it all themselves they can go log on, see what the things are, go through them, check all the boxes, and then we're motivating it with some money for allowance. And um, and I feel like the week has gone so much smoother just in the way that we all sort of are on the same page. It's like my yeah. kids know because they can look at the list, what is expected in the morning, what's expected in the afternoon, and what's expected in the evening. And it reminds me, you know, the things that I often want to do, like our family scripture study and family prayers that are very much like high intention and high priority and sometimes just in the shuffle get lost you know same thing with teeth brushing and you know some other things that are really important and sometimes get lost in the shuffle it's been really nice to have a box to check to create some um, structure and that the idea of that is um it doesn't come super naturally to me so it's been it's been good well I love you didn't have to disrupt your whole family culture and the spirit that you've really worked to cultivate of that adventure and spontaneity and kind of free-flowing type thing and yet, you know what's important to you, and in order to implement those things that are must-dos and matter to you just as much as those things, what do you need to do to make it work for you? If And like you said, like if the chore chart was going to be fancy and color-coded and laminated, it would have been 17 more weeks before it actually before. got implemented. <gasps> yeah. Seriously. Print, print oh out gosh. a stinking Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like pretty good at making stuff. And for some right. reason, this chore chart has just not materialized. No. And I'm like, how is it possible that I just can't get it together to make a chore chart? But Cause it doesn't matter. I think this is going to work so much better too. Yes. I mean, cause you're doing other levels. things. Yeah. Is what's more important? You dyeing your, your blankets and things like that or making the chore chart. It's better to get the chores, you know, implemented and everything, and then you can go back right. to practicing the guitar, you know? Yeah, exactly. You have to choose yeah. how you want to spend your time, and somebody else may make the chore chart, and that's fine too, but the Excel spreadsheet was good enough, and now they're doing it, and that's Absolutely. great. I yes. love that. So another thing you've talked a lot about, which I'm really curious about, because we live in a very small home as well with our three kids, is this going from a larger home, more square footage, to downsizing significantly in the home that you're currently in and not buying, right? So tell me about this process and this journey you've been on to live more minimally. What are the things that you found out you did not need to live with? What are the must-haves and what have you learned from this experience? Yeah, so just for some background information, we have always, I've always considered myself more of a minimalist um, as far as consumerism is concerned. I get pretty overwhelmed with like all the stuff and all the clutter and all that. Like I'm not a pack rat. I'm like, get rid of it if you're not using it. And um, and at the end of last year, for, for a number of reasons, this all kind of came to a head. And I told my husband that I thought that we should really make some changes this year and implement this sort of experiment. And the experiment was that for this year, for 2017, we wouldn't buy any non-consumable items. And so that's a little bit, you know, like elusive, but things like paper and markers and pencils and toothpaste and um, light bulbs and, you know, things that you use up and Mm -hmm. you don't use it, you know, you use them up and throw them away or whatever, that those things would be part of our regular, you know, groceries and whatnot. And that um, things that were more consumer items um, that were non-consumable, like clothes and shoes and furniture and 
you know, rugs and stuff from the dollar, dollar section at Target. That Those were the things that we were going to not buy this year because, and the whole kind of idea came from that we already have enough of that stuff. We yeah. have enough furniture. We have enough clothes. We have enough shoes. We have enough, all of these things. We don't, we can go a year without them and see if that helps build some confidence, build some patience, build some gratitude for the things that we already have. Um, and so it, it was really fascinating. And of course, there's little things along the way, like, um, you know, when my kids grow, yeah. <laughs> we did, we've replaced, we've kind of adopted a couple methods of how we do this. Like when they grow out of a pair of shoes, we'll replace them with the bigger size, but we don't like buy a bunch of new pairs. We just get rid of the old ones and buy the pair of new ones. So we've kind of, the idea is that we would kind of have this static level of of objects for the whole year. We wouldn't consume more or have more things that would stick around. And, um, and it has been really fascinating and, and so wonderful and freeing to realize that I can go in a store and see a lot of beautiful things and not have to buy them. Like they don't have to become part of my collection. Um, and it's also, it also created a ton of gratitude for the things that we already had immediately upon, it was like January 6th, 2017, that we decided firmly we were going to do this. And I looked around my house and I was like, oh, I'm so grateful for all this stuff that I already have because right. I, have it, I couldn't buy it anymore. And, you know, like, oh, I love that chair and I'm so happy I have that rug. And, you know, it's just so funny how immediately not looking outward for more helps you look inward, at the, you know, inside your house and inside your car and inside your closet and realize how much you do love some of the things that you already have, you know, and I guess it makes you realize the things you don't. Um, So then randomly, unexpectedly, in the middle of the year, my husband received an offer from a company here in Richmond. I told him to go to the interview and thought, I didn't think a whole lot of it in the beginning, and he came home from the interview and and had absolutely loved it, and it was exactly what he wanted to be doing. Um, The the city seemed really cool. You know, it just, it felt right. And, um, you know, when things like that inexplicably feel right, you just sort of jump. So we decided that we were going to move. Um, and four weeks later we had put our house on the market. He had already moved and we were just packing up for this new adventure. Part of the idea of moving, um, the part about finding a house and a neighborhood and a new life, um, was intimidating, especially on such short notice, because we really, really, really loved where we lived in Austin. We had built our home there. We designed it with the builder. We built it. We had decorated it. We loved it. We had great neighbors, a great, you know, church community, a wonderful school. And I thought, I don't know anything about Richmond, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to jump into buying a house there before we do a little bit of um, exploring and sort of figure out what it's like and where we might want to be. So Rather than just buying a house, we decided that we would rent. And as soon as we made the decision to rent instead of buy, I felt relieved. And then I had this little thought, what if instead of renting a house like what we were used to, we lived in a 2,500 square foot, you know, beautiful home in Texas. What if we continued with this idea of minimalism and less stuff and moved into a really small house temporarily Mm -hmm. knowing that it was going to be temporary and um I kind of ran it past my husband he thought I was a little crazy (laughs) then we came out to look and we found this 1,000 square foot house in a really cute little neighborhood where the kids go to a good school and it was like half the price of what we would be paying if we were buying you know we're renting a house that was twice or three times as big Mm -hmm. and I thought this is exactly what I want to play with the idea of like how much more we can do with less and so we decided to do it and um so here we are in 1,000 square feet um moving was hilarious the day that we moved um our truck arrived with all of our stuff and they started moving things into the house and putting furniture and putting boxes and putting the refrigerator and putting and then they the house got to the point where it was full with just like one foot <laughs> narrow passageways between the boxes in the room. I remember that day on your Instagram. I was oh I gosh. was stressed for you. <laughs> it was so funny. And then they still had like two more giant crates to unload. So they started oh putting gosh. stuff in the backyard. I mean, not like backyard stuff. They were putting boxes <laughs> of like, you know, of kitchen goods and, and clothes in the backyard. And they were putting stuff in the front. I think I had like nine different types of chairs in the front yard of this tiny house. Oh my gosh. And I just looked around thinking, you know, here I was like, oh man, I've been living so minimally because in 2,500 square feet, right. stuff feels, it felt really open and really 
great. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, I have so much stuff. And it just blew me away. So I just immediately started. We rented a storage unit because we are going to size up after we after this rental. This has been really great and really fun. And it's so um, so much learning has happened as we've been here. And we also, for a little bit, you know, for a longer term home, we'll probably have more than two bedrooms and one bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things that I loved that we didn't have room for, I did want to keep. So, you know, even things like um, our Christmas, we have like one or two boxes of Christmas stuff and that's in storage because mm-hmm. there isn't anywhere to put it here. Um, but I got rid of so much after I thought I had got rid of stuff here. I got rid of so much more and started to look around and think, um, you know, what do we really need? Like what is at the core of our family lifestyle at home? What are the spaces that we need? What do they need to feel like? How does, how do I need to arrange and sort of organize this small space so that it accommodates what we hope to be our, you know, our happy life here. And it's been so fun and challenging to do that. So it's really fun to step back and think about things um, as, you know, how do we want to live here? What is the, what is the use for our family of this space? And what are the things that we love to do together? And what are the things that we need space separately to do? And I mean, come at it from a, not, not the approach of like, what rug matches the paint matches the pillows to make this room look beautiful. Mm -hmm. But like, how does it feel and how does it actually function for our lifestyle? And you have to do that when you're in a smaller space because you don't have the option of just having things be pretty and not useful. Everything has to be useful. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I interviewed somebody else, um, Ashley Patron, who lives in an RV. So she went from living in a 3,000 square foot home to a 31 foot trailer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And... It has been the best for her. And she's like, even when we build our new house, this is not a forever thing. She's like, I only need one drawer of utensils. I only need one spatula and one wooden spoon. I don't need three just because they're different colors, you know? Right. So just yeah. that idea yeah, that you don't need more. Yeah, it's fun to just tear down. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think the most fun for me has been the release of the keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, I don't know that mm-hmm. I ever felt very... Like, I, I, I've never felt this really, really strong pressure to keep up with the Joneses, probably because I've had really wonderful down-to-earth friends that I've, you know, surrounded myself with, that there was never any feeling of competition among us for mm-hmm. who was dressed, you know, I yeah. mean, I like, I'm wearing the same dress that I wore to bed and wore yesterday, so if that gives you an idea of, like, how <laughs> low-key <laughs> my, my lifestyle is, um, but, but I think with social media, the way that it is, that we all see what everyone else is doing, buying, eating, what exercises they're doing, what gym they go to. Like, right. there's such a, this huge, um, like, transparency of information that there didn't ever used to be. And I think we're asking ourselves questions now that we never had to ask, like, should I be eating that for dinner? And it's like mm-hmm. someone who lives across the country is going on a fun date with their husband. You're like feeling bad that you're eating mac and cheese when, you know, like right. how would you have ever known what that person was doing? Or how would you ever have seen those million different ch- choices at the Nordstrom yes, sale? Yes, yeah. You know? Um, and I think the only way to counter to counterbalance that is to s- intentionally choose that you, that you're not interested in everything that everyone is selling, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. you have, I mean, some things, I think it all probably boils down to what are the things that you really, really care about and that you really love and that really bring you joy and focus on those things. And if it's fashion, then knock yourself out, sure. you know, like shopping for really, really cool fashion. But I think that it can't be everything that yeah. we'll like exhaust ourselves mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, everything. If we're trying to keep up on every front with everyone Rather than, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning, going back to thinking about, like, considering in a quiet place what you love, mm-hmm. what stirs your soul, what um, makes you happy, what makes your family happy. When was the last time that you really felt, like, just absolutely overjoyed by the things that you were doing or, or seeing or, or sharing and do more of that? Hmm. Because maybe it's not a white kitchen and maybe it's <laughs> not... Um, 
you know, succulent planters and maybe it's, you know, whatever the trending thing on Pinterest, maybe that isn't for you. And you think because it isn't that some, you know, that maybe it should be, but if it doesn't, if that's not what you love, then that's okay. You get to love what you love. Totally. You're the one who has to live your life, you know? Yes. And, 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 and tacking onto that, it's not just, oh yeah, that's not for me. We can at the same time be like, but good for you. Oh, right? absolutely. So it's like, yes, I, I don't know. There's just this dichotomy that's going on in social media lately of, you know, cheering on the people that we are, that are like us, but then tearing down the people that somehow We're make not. us inferior. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I don't like it. It's fine to say no to certain things and like that doesn't need to impact my life. But it's also fine to say, but if big birthday parties make your heart sing, you do that big birthday party. If buying that sweater or showing what you're making for dinner, it makes you happy, then do that. Um, If I don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But there's no reason to tear down anybody in the process. Absolutely. I so firmly agree with that because – those are the things that might make their heart sing and yes. they're entitled to that too. Yes. You know, we all get to, we all get to live out um, the things that we love and, and sort of live our dreams. And, um, and yeah. you know, we just have no way of knowing. I think that extending um, grace and support and encouragement to people yeah. for whatever they're doing mm-hmm. is, is important. Yeah. And um, recognizing that things can be really wonderful and really beautiful and that, they still might not have a place in our life, but they're still that just because I don't want it doesn't mean that I don't love it. Yes. You know? Or love um, it for them. Uh-huh. Yeah, or love it for them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I totally, totally agree with that. There's something else I want to compliment you on. Your smile is oh so beautiful. <laughs> you have the most but, but more than just your teeth and you know, just <laughs> you just radiate joy. Where does that come from Miranda and why what are you hoping to share with the world when you put yourself out there online with your big beaming smile you convey just such a light what are you hoping to achieve and what message do you want to share with the people that are listening oh my goodness well thank you first of all that's so nice and I'm so happy that you feel that way um I think that what brings me joy in my own life um is just what we've been talking about, like discovering and owning my path Mm. and really, really living it. Like once you know what it is that you love, do it, live it, buy it, you know, sell it, whatever, whatever you have to do (laughs) to make, to, to really live it. Um, that is what makes me so happy. And online, I have found such joy in sharing that sharing the way that I'm doing it in my life. And also my hope is that by living out loud, um, that I'm granting permission and inspiration for the people who follow me to do the same. Mm. Um, because that is what I hope for them and for my followers and for my community to see that, um, that they can do whatever they want just as I can do whatever I want and to have the confidence to um, make those choices and to, you know, determine the beautiful, beautiful life that they want to live and to live it. Um, and a lot lately, I mean, so much of um, this past year and year or two for me has been about focusing on gratitude and really just looking around at the things that already exist in my life mm-hmm. and loving them. And I think that it's, it's so natural as you see people um, sharing their gratitude. It's so natural to, reflect on your own, you know, the things in your own life that you're grateful for and, and, and feel that. Um, so. Yeah. And I think when you feel better about what you have and you're secure in and grateful for what's right in front of you, you're less inclined to look outside for the validation, for the comparison. You're just living your life. You're too busy living your life to worry about what anybody else is doing, but you're making time for other people to cheer them on. And that's what I see from you. Yeah. Well, Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting sometimes. Um, once in a while, I have this, like, I'll have a day that I just feel wide awake all day. Like, <laughs> I notice everything, and I smell the smells, and I, you know, just, like, absolutely present 
in my life. And I wish it was all the time. And it's not, I think a lot, I plan a lot. I'm, you know, like, just like all of us, I think I have some days that I walk around distracted and some days that I'm just so present. And in those days, I think this is my, like this right now, this moment is my life. This Mm -hmm. is it. Like this talk with you is, is part of my story and part of the reason that I'm here. And, you know, looking, going a walk down the street with my kids and kicking the leaves and, you know, watching the dog run wild and, just these moments, and um, you, you, we just really can experience things so fully when we're present, and when we, we can't be present if we're concerned about anyone else, hmm. anyone else's life, yeah. you know. And and it, we can't be present in our own if we're comparing. We can't be present in our own if we're wishing for different or wishing for better. Um, just really solidly grounded in where we are. Oh, you just really get to, I mean, it's so amazing. Do I just sound like super woo-woo probably no, and a little bit like, I don't, you lost me there, but. No, not at all. There's well, something and I, really amazing about just, about just feeling your life, feeling every bit of it. Yeah. And re- yeah, sometimes you're just doing life where you're not really enjoying life. And you think back to 15 years ago when you thought someday I'll marry my Prince Charming and I'll have three <laughs> little kids and I'll live on a tree-lined street. And, you know, and that's like the dream. It's not how much money you're making necessarily. It's not how big your house is. It's not where exact location. Miranda, like that's your life. Like, and, and that's all of our lives. You know, the things that we really always dreamed of for most of us, it's happening and we're, we're missing it, it because we're thinking about the next thing, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I totally get it. I totally Absolutely. get it. And I think that's and, something I'm focusing on as well. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, it has been interesting too. I we're similar to you. We have moved, I mean, nine, maybe nine times yeah. in the. We've lived in six cities in the last eleven years, and I think we moved nine times. A couple times we yeah. moved within the same city. Uh-huh. Um, and those experiences, like what the life actually looked like in terms of where we were living, how much money we had, um, how much time we had for each other, um, they're all so different. Like student, dirt poor, living in 400 square feet in a dark basement apartment to, you know, feeling pretty good financially, having great jobs, having free time, having a beautiful home and all of the spectrum, you know, and it's so wonderful and interesting to think back and think we have been happy every step of the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, not every day, life hasn't been perfect. We've gone through, you know, as many hard things as the next person, um, but there has not been, like, moving from, from a bigger house to a smaller house didn't affect my joy. Mm. It didn't affect how well I can live and how happy I am because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because those things that we invest so much time and energy and love into, and I mean, I am so excited for our next house that we're going to buy, and I don't know where it is yet or what we're, you know, what exactly it's going to look like, but I, I love houses and I love you know it's not like you can discount it and say well I'm going to go live in a cardboard box because you you know I love making a beautiful home and I love design and decor and all the creative side of that as well the idea though that things get better as they get bigger or more expensive or or easier that we have have more Mm -hmm. money or that we have like any of these milestones that we create as a you know on the other side of the equation from happiness we're wrong (laughs) because because you can live in the big fancy house and you can be a billionaire and you can have everything that you've ever wanted and still be miserable and you can live in a in a trailer with your kids and some good music and some good food and a happy Friday (laughs) night and and you'll feel that joy so it really just goes to show that we it is within us. We carry it with us where we go. We get to choose that. It has nothing to do with external circumstances. Amen. I want to be your neighbor. <laughs> I Please. Mean, yes. That's the Southern Virginia for you. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you. You are the closer episode of season, what is it, season two of the Extraordinary Moms Yay. podcast. And I just want to thank you for taking the time today. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, I would tell her that everything that she's doing is going to be 
worth it. And that all of those lessons she's learned that she's going to teach them one day. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Miranda, you are an extraordinary mom. You're just an extraordinary person. You're just, you're just, you're living life right. (laughs) And I really admire that. And you're one of the people that I follow from afar where I'm always so happy to see what you're doing in your life, not from a place of comparison, but from a place of just wanting to learn from you and take on that light that you're sharing. You're doing amazing things. Thank you so much. It's been so fun to, to chat with you. I feel like I'm super uplifted by this conversation. I'm excited Yay. to listen to it again when you play it. Yes. Oh, where can people find you online? Duh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, my online, uh, my, my website is livefreecreative.co. I am on Instagram as Live Free Miranda, and on Facebook as Live Free Creative, and everywhere else is Live Free Miranda. Love it. Thanks, Miranda, for taking the time. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Don't you just love Miranda? I had so much fun chatting with her, and I hope that you were encouraged by how she was talking about appreciating where you are, living and loving the life that you have right in front of you and not missing it because you're too busy thinking about what's next or wishing for a life that was different. And I can be guilty of this as much as anybody. So it just serves as a great reminder. She was so inspiring to me and I hope that it was just an enjoyable conversation for you. I hope it felt like friends chatting on the couch together. If you haven't already followed me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 I'm on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. And then if you want to see pictures of Miranda's beautiful family and links to anything we talked about today, you can find that in the show notes at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. You can also find past shows. You can listen to the shows there, past images, links, everything on the website. So If you are new around here, I want to welcome you, and I hope you'll dip back in the archives. This Friday's episode, I'm going to help you to go back and sift through the other 193 episodes and tell you some of my top recommendations. If you want to cry, if you want to be inspired, if you want to laugh, I'll point you to a handful of each of those categories so that you can kind of start there as you're listening to more episodes, and then hopefully you'll find some others that resonate with you as well. I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. It has been my joy this year bringing you this podcast. I promise you that there are some incredible episodes coming in January. I've already done these interviews, and these are extraordinary women, you guys, and I cannot wait to share them with you. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for supporting this show. Um, It means the world to me. And every time somebody says, you know, I'm just learning so much, I say, me too. (laughs) Because literally I get as much out of these conversations as you do. So thanks for tuning in today to the podcast. We'll see you Friday for that last episode where I point you in the right direction for navigating the archives and some recommendations that I recommend for episodes. But then we'll see you next year for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Merry Christmas.